Warning, this episode of Safe Coastal Wildlife, the podcast, deals with mature content and may not be suitable for all ages or people who are sensitive. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Safe Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Coastal Wildlife is a nonprofit located in New Jersey with the goal of educating people about the preservation and protection of coastal wildlife along the Jersey Shore. More information about Save Coastal Wildlife and our citizen scientists and volunteer activities can be found at our website, savecoastalwildlife.org. Now, here is the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. This is the pod that educates people about coastal wildlife with a special importance on the Jersey Shore because that's where we're based. My name is Joe Reynolds, the director of Save Coastal Wildlife Nonprofit. And if you want to reach me, you can send me an email at jreynolds, that's the letter J-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S, at savecoastalwildlife.org, or you could just simply visit our website at savecoastalwildlife.org. Tonight on this episode of Safe Coastal Wildlife, the podcast, we're taking an insightful look at the erotic Jersey Shore or the strange sex lives of sea life. Many people will soon be celebrating Valentine's Day with a box of buttery chocolates and probably a rich and heavy dinner as well, and then possibly changing some tight-fitting clothes and wearing lots of chemicals or makeup on your face, or taking chemicals to make your joystick work, or maybe taking chemicals like alcohol just to arouse your partner into attraction. Does all this sound crazy to you? It certainly sounds crazy to me. Well, you should check out the strange and crazy sex lives of sea life beneath the waves. There's a weird world of cross-dressing, sex changes, grabbing butts, and mass orgies that makes human sexuality look, well, kind of boring. But you know, when you start looking at the sex lives of sea life, they start to look more like the sex lives of people. You don't believe me? Just check out Pornhub to see what I mean. Now, I remember as a child of about 10 or 11 visiting my local library in Ocean County, New Jersey, and coming across a book entitled The Erotic Ocean, written by Jack Rudlow and published in 1971. The book called itself a handbook for beachcombers, but with the word erotic in the title, it seemed much more enticing, especially to a young boy like myself. But sure enough, the book told more about the life to be found in various habitats off the coast and the ever-increasing pollution of the marine environment of the 1960s and the 1970s than really the sex lives of sponges, crabs, or fish. But tonight, we're going to change that. We're looking at the erotic Jersey Shore. And thankfully, now, due to the Internet, we could find out all about uh, the sex lives of not only people, but more importantly, the life histories of marine life. So once again, warning, some examples of sexual activities of sea life in this podcast are kind of gross and so weird that you might be disgusted or sick, but again, maybe not. For example, did you know that male and female lobsters consider urine or pee to be like a love potion? It's true. 
male lobsters are particularly aggressive, as really all straight males really are. And to calm her partner, a female lobster will spray a male lobster in the face with her urine over many days to eventually calm him down. Over time, the female scent begins to mingle with that of the males, and when he excretes his own urine, well, the two scents merge, and that's a signal to both that it's time for some lovemaking. The female will then enter his den, and the two touch with their antennae and limbs and even lick each other with their feet, which have the equivalent of taste buds. When the time is right, the female lifts her claw, taps him on the shoulder, then repeats the movement on the opposite shoulder as they both let loose a stream of urine. Oh boy. Now that is weird and makes me a little bit sick. But is this the weirdest sexual activities in the sea, especially along the Jersey Shore? Well, it helped me make sense of all this strange lovemaking. I'm joined tonight by two good friends and members of Safe Coast Wildlife Nonprofit. We have Jen Zircone, who lives near Asbury Park, New Jersey. Hello, Jen. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Going good. Welcome. Thank you. And then we have Samantha Chrysler, who lives in Long Branch, New Jersey. Hello, Samantha. Hi, guys. Let's get the party started. All right. So, yeah. So, greetings to you both, ladies, and happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Day of Love. So we all have been scanning the world to find some weird sexual activities of sex life. So what do we find in addition to peeing lobsters? Jen, you want to get us started? Sure. I didn't have to look very far, Joe, because, you know, um, the horseshoe crab is one of our favorite uh, sea life and coastal wildlife uh, for safe coastal wildlife. And um, those of us who um, monitor them every year know that um, for about 420 million years, horseshoe crabs have been coming ashore here on the east coast of the United States every May and June um, for basically what is the longest running uh, beach party orgy uh, the world has ever known, um, where they leave millions of fertilized eggs, which which feed other sea life, feed birds, feed migrating birds and things like that. But um, basically, um, we've seen it that it's it, this ritual involves a lot of males latching onto one poor female who is um, usually the females are about 40% larger than their male counterparts. And she burrows into the sand and drops her eggs and they just, and you know, the males just start squirting sperm to be blunt <laughs> and they pounce and they want to fertilize all those eggs. So, and they, they grab onto the female. Those of us who monitor know the difference between a male and a female that you can see is these two boxing glove-like uh, claws, and then and that's how they hold on to the female. So she, you know she can't get away, and you see them. She's swimming around, and they're holding on, swimming to her, and 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 uh, sometimes you see a, a whole cluster of them together. So um, that's where the male crabs um, they latch onto the female, or two or three of them, and uh, as she buries herself in the sand they go to work and fertilize with their uh, with their seed. So yeah, who knew group sex is common among horseshoe crabs. And you know, it's for their survival. The more uh, eggs that are fertilized, the better the species has at survival. Yeah, it's an orgy. Group sex is like <laughs> Yeah, it's an orgy that's been going on for 450 million years. It's incredible, right? 
Yeah, and we we get to we get to see it up close every year when we monitor horseshoe crabs. Joe, you know we've been in the water and there's a lot of sperm. Yeah. Uh, being <laughs> just basically wading in horseshoe crab sperm some nights. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Great stuff. Thanks, Jen, for sh- uh, sharing the orgies along the Jersey Shore. Samantha, what do you got? So I have a soft spot for ugly fish. And uh, the anglerfish is not only ugly, but super kinky. So the anglerfish, the females have a lure, kind of like a fishing line that is an extension of their dorsal spine. Um, and it protrudes above their mouth like a fishing pole, right? So it's to attract food, um, but they live deep down dark in the, in the Atlantic ocean and they don't often come across others of their species. So um, they have to use that lure to attract a male. And once the male comes over and sees that shiny lure, they reproduce and actually the female absorbs the male once they mate into her skin and the male becomes a permanent parasitic mate and they can carry uh, six or more and really what's left of the male is their uh their uh, male reproductive parts their testes so you know ugly kinky it's what we like that is true we've all had that boyfriend haven't we <laughs> yeah it's the hanger on well, boyfriend. You just can't get rid of him. Yep. You just, you can't get rid of him. Yep. That is so weird. That is like a science fiction film. That is just so incredibly weird. Like who would think about that, right? I'm sure if some guy said, hey, I have an idea for a movie, they'd be like, that's too weird. It never happens. Yeah, it happens deep down in the ocean. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So we go from like hanger on boyfriends to cross-dressing boyfriends because I got something about cuttlefish. Now, I don't know if you know anything about cuttlefish. They're close cousins to the octopus and squids. Cuttlefish, just like those guys, have superior color changing and shape-shifting abilities. So they can change colors very fast, which is good because female cuttlefish are notoriously picky at picking sexual partners. They reject upwards to about 70% of hopeful mates. So they're very, very picky, the females. And so what's a small little male cuttlefish to do? We have the big male cuttlefish that get all the um, females. Um, But if you're a small little male cuttlefish, what do you do? Well, in this case, you pretend to be a woman, of course. Females are smaller and also have molted brown coloration and shorter arms. Um, as opposed to the big um, beefy males. And so it's easily mimicked by the smaller males who often get overlooked by females. All a small male needs to do is don the muted brown and molted tones of a female and shorten his arms a bit, and voila, he looks just like a she. These cross-dressing cuttlefish then act like females in the process of laying already fertilized eggs, but taking special care to hide his modified fourth arm This is the one that all males use to hand sperm packets over to the female. So by changing physical appearance and behavior, these small males can slide up to the guarded female without raising the alarm. Not only is the female fooled, but the dominant male or boyfriend is too. The cross-dressing male waits until the bigger male is occupied, perhaps when the big male is challenged by another suitor, and immediately shifts back into his courtship colors, which for the smaller male is the sexy stripes that cascade across his body. 
If all goes well, the female will allow him to mate with her. She often does, perhaps impressed by his cunning little ploy. It's then that he reveals, voila, his modified fourth arm, which is used to transfer his sperm packet to the female. Now, if the big male suddenly takes notice, the small male's in trouble, and he immediately shifts his coloration back to the female patterns, hoping to avoid a beating. The ploy works most of the time. However, it can be a little risky because sometimes the disguise of cross-dressing for the cuttlefish is so good, their bigger male tries to mate with the cross-dressing male. Oh, boy. That sounds like trouble. (laughs) Wow. Well, I think in the female's defense, it looks like she picks the smarter, the smarter, um, you know, partner instead of the bigger one. So absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, there's also another type of fish. There's a lot of cross-dressing and sex change going on in the waters. uh, People don't realize there's, there's blue head wrasse fish that live in a small social groups and coral reefs in the Caribbean. Only the male has a blue head and it signals his social dominance over a harem of, of yellow striped females. But if the male dies or somehow gets removed from the group, something extraordinary happens. The largest female in the group changes sex to become male. Her behavior changes within minutes and within several days, maybe up to 10 days, her ovaries transform into sperm-producing testes. Within 21 days, she appears completely male. And that's just incredible. Also, we have clownfish. Um, they first develop into males, and then they turn into females once they mature. Um, and then there's sea bass right here along the Jersey Shore. Uh, you can find sea bass from the coast of Maine all the way down to Florida. They start life off as a female and then char- uh, change into males once they reach about two to five years of age. So there's like people think like, you know, we spend lots of money on sex uh, assignment surgeries, but yet we have fish that are just changing their sex all the time. Wouldn't it be kind of cool, baby, if we could just take a pill at night and then wake up in a, in a totally different body that we could, you know, be a totally different person for a couple of days. It would, it would come in handy when I have to go to uh, the mechanic about my car. If I can morph into a male so I don't get ripped off. Yeah. Or buy a car. Right. I mean, how many times have you feel intimidated? Yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little old switcheroo for the week, you know? Yeah. That would be convenient sometimes. <laughs> so, Jen, a little birds told me that you have something about penguins. I do. You know, it came to mind because I saw the news this week that um, in Syracuse, uh, the zoo there, um, a pair of male penguins are raising a chick together. And, um, I mean, this probably isn't... Uh, I wouldn't classify it as weird. It's actually adorable, but it's not what you would normally see out in the wild. But um, there are a lot of instances, especially with penguins in captivity, of um, homosexual couples, and they uh, and they raise and they raise eggs. They you know they incubate eggs. Either a lot of times um, when a couple has two eggs, they really will only take care of one, so they take the other egg. And the and the two uh, male the two male penguins take care of it until it hatches and they raise it together as their child. Um, or sometimes they steal the eggs. And um, all over, basically over and over again, zoos all over the world. I mean, I think we've all heard about the Central Park one um, that happened years ago um, in the San Francisco Zoo and the Sydney Zoo. There's some in Spain. 
Um, there are all these homosexual uh, penguin couples that are raising chicks and, and having little penguin gabies. And um, it's not normal in the animal world. Um, and I, I think it's adorable and, um, and sweet. And uh, I think there was even an episode, I think, on, on Parks and Rec um, at the Pawnee Zoo, two male penguins uh, got married. So it's not the strangest thing, but it's, you know, it is Valentine's Day. And I, I think it's sweet. And, um, you know, so... I, I wish, you know, what um, Elmer uh, and Lima the best in raising their new little baby uh, that was just born in Syracuse. Oh, That's so adorable. So sweet. It's going to make me cry. So sweet. <laughs> yeah. Little penguin gabies. I know. It's so adorable. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. uh, Samantha, you're talking about seahorses, right? Yes, we've actually mentioned seahorses on one of our previous podcasts, but I feel like every time I talk about love and, you know, sexual reproduction in marine organisms, I think of the seahorse because it's not only a lovely dance that they do um, to kind of assess how well they can mate with each other. They also kind of have a flip-flop backwards about pregnancy. The book is entitled What to Expect When He's Expecting, um, because the male seahorses actually get the eggs from the female and they give live birth. Um, the males actually give birth to the baby seahorses. And my dad actually used to keep seahorses when he was in college. He had an aquarium um, with seahorses. And he said his proudest moment of his life was not when I was born, but when his male seahorse gave birth to thousands of little babies in his fish tank. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, no offense, but that had to be pretty cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm not mad about it, realistically. I'm not mad. I don't blame him. Um, I'm just mad I wasn't there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really sweet as well, too. That's another sweet story. I think seahorses are just, like, so amazing. They seem so, like, mythical, right? Like, almost like dragons in a way. And yet we have them along the yeah. Jersey Shore. People don't realize that, but we do have the Northern Lion seahorse that does live along the Jersey Shore. And just like all other seahorses, it's the male that takes care of the eggs and the babies. And, and so it's happening here right along the Jersey Shore. Um it's just amazing how they, they mate and, and been doing this again, just like horseshoe crabs for like millions of years. Um, it's just incredible, incredible story. Yeah. We have found them in our seining nets before and they're amazing to see. They're like, they're like the unicorns of the sea. Like you can't believe they're real. They're like these little fairies or something. And uh, they're so adorable. Yeah, they really are. They're so adorable. All right, so um, I think that's it. I think uh, we'll have to we'll come back again next Valentine's Day and talk about some more. But I think we give people a little taste of some of the the crazy sex activities of sea animals out there, the erotic Jersey Shore, and just like I was saying before, you know, when you start looking at these sex lives of of sea life, like seahorses and 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 lobsters and penguins and all this stuff. You really start looking at more like the sex lives of people or maybe some of the sex lives that people want to have. Um, all you have to do really is just check out Pornhub to really see what I mean. There's a whole bunch of weirdness on there. Right, ladies? I'm sure you've checked that out. Oh, yeah. All, all, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying. 
All right, so happy Valentine's Day. Take care. We'll see you guys real soon. Enjoy. Bye, happy Jen. Valentine's Day. Bye. Happy V-Day. Bye. You have been listening to Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. More information about Save Coastal Wildlife and our citizen scientists and volunteer activities, including monitoring horseshoe crabs and seals to beach cleanups and monitoring the beach for microplastics can be found at our website, www.savecoastalwildlife.org. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Also, please share the podcast on social media and tell your family and friends about it. If you would like to support Save Coastal Wildlife, please go to our website and click on the donate button at savecoastalwildlife.org. Thank you for your support. We depend on the kindness and generosity of people for everything we do. Join us next time for another episode of Save Coastal Wildlife, the podcast. Cleaning up the beach, the fish swim by. Look at all the birds up in the sky. Sane in the bay, what will we find today? We gotta save coastal wildlife where the horseshoe crabs and the osprey play. Save coastal wildlife on the shores and in the bay. Let them be. We all must learn to protect the sea. Keep the waters clean. It's up to you and me. We gotta save. Left on the shore, the birds and the fish won't come anymore. Protect and preserve the wild.